0: Our customers in the course of using Textio are not just writing, but they're also generating outcomes for everything that they're writing, right? If I publish a job, I know how long it took to fill. I know how many people responded. I know how qualified the people who responded were. Were they good enough to interview or not? (music)
1: Are listening to Innovators, brought to you by Wing Venture Capital. I am your host, Zach DeWitt. Today, we are joined by Kieran Snyder, co-founder and CEO of Textio. Textio is an augmented writing platform that uses natural language processing to help companies attract better talent. If people don't respond to your emails or apply to your job ads, you can't hire them. Textio unlocks the best language to engage them and puts it right in the page wherever you're writing. Textio gives you the words you need to attract the people you want to hire using language that reflects the very best of your values and culture. Kieran is quite impressive as she has a PhD from UPenn and NLP and she worked at Amazon and Microsoft before starting Textio in 2014. I think you will greatly enjoy today's episode as Kieran talks about being product first, not tech first, and her approach to solving a real business problem. So welcome. Please introduce yourself.
0: Yeah, my name is Kieran Snyder. I am the CEO and co-founder of Textio, an augmented writing company.
1: And Kieran, what were you doing prior to founding Textio?
0: I think it depends a little how far back you want to go. Uh, the first chapter of my career was in academia, so I studied linguistics and math in college, and then I went on to get a PhD in natural language processing, uh, and I spent a while in that world, and then I transitioned to my technology career. When I finished my PhD, I was a natural language processing engineer and product manager at Microsoft, building new search functionality, bringing spell checking to the world, and that kind of work.
1: And when you got your PhD in natural language processing, how popular of a graduate degree was that?
0: At that time, it was on the rise. Uh, You know, I studied linguistics and math in college before that was such a present combination. Uh, I always really liked language and I always liked math, and linguistics was something that didn't force me to choose Uh, And when I went on to get my PhD, uh, I really pulled much more computer science through. I'd been coding since I was a kid. My dad's an engineer. We had computers at home from the time I was really young. And the program where I was in school, you couldn't do linguistics without computer science, and you couldn't do computer science without linguistics. So it was really one of the pioneering programs in natural language processing.
1: If you think about the number of people who are qualified to start a company like Textio, it's probably you, you can count on one hand. So you're the perfect person to do this. And and, and let's move into a little bit of what, what Textio does. So what is Textio's uh, main product?
0: Yeah, Textio creates an augmented writing platform So for anything that you're writing, usually in a business context, so you're trying to hire someone or trying to convince them of something or maybe sell them a product, Textio uses piles of data about what has worked for similar kinds of writing in the past and then generates the language that's going to work uniquely well for you with the document you're writing right now. So the first application on the platform focuses deeply on recruiting. So how do you write to candidates one-on-one to get their attention? So like, hey, Zach, I heard your podcast. I thought you're great. We have a role. Come talk to me. And the second piece is really on the job post component. Hey, we have a content marketing role here's what the job looks like. So people use Textio to write both of those kinds of candidate communication uh, and get the language that is going to get the response that they want.
1: And how did you settle on external uh, recruiting for Textio's first application? You know, obviously, I think this would have a lot of benefits and a lot of use for marketing use cases. And, you know, there's countless others uh, beyond recruiting.
0: Yeah, uh, there were a couple of reasons that we chose to start out in recruiting. The first is that we knew we would have impact in a place that it mattered for companies. We knew that companies were spending a lot of time and money trying to hire people, qualified people, diverse people, they're competing for talent world where time to fill each role is going down because there are so many good jobs on the market and unemployment is so low. Uh, so we knew we had the opportunity to have really big impact in a part of the enterprise that has traditionally been technologically underserved because of work that I had published. I knew lots of leaders in talent and talent in HR. I knew sort of the firsthand pain that they were having and so when we first prototyped our technology, which, by the way, was not in recruiting, the very first thing we built was a Kickstarter predictor, uh, and we saw the proof points of the technology there. It's what we raised our first investment round on. We knew early that the first real product would be in recruiting. The second big benefit to starting out in recruiting is that people across the business use Textio, You know, hiring managers in sales, in marketing, in engineering, at the executive level are all using Textio to write. And if you're trying to create a new writing experience across the business, it's hard to imagine a better starting point than this really important writing that changes the face of the business and that the whole company needs to use.
1: How does Textio change the way that people collaborate and work together?
0: It's a common misperception that AI-enabled software is primarily about people and machines working together. You know, that is part of it. When people use Textio to write, Textio is definitely collaborating with them to center their ideas and find the words that work. But we see it more that Textio enables writers to collaborate with each other. I, you know, when I'm writing on my own, I am limited by my own ability to guess what is going to work. And if I'm a good writer, I might be a pretty good guesser. And if I'm a diligent writer, I might ask for a second or third opinion on what I've written. But that's a really small pool of experience to draw from when you're trying to fundamentally guess what somebody else will respond to, right? On the other end of the spectrum, I think you could think about doubling down on fully automated solutions, like press a button, give me my writing, and I'm good to go. And we know that when all writing sounds the same, none of it performs very well. There's no differentiation. There's no point of view. And so Textio's real opportunity is to help me as a writer connect with all of the other writers in my community and learn from the experience that they're having, much in the same way that when I'm driving home from work, I'm learning from the real-time traffic experience of all the other drivers on the road. So we see the big opportunity in helping people collaborate more effectively together and learn from one another's experience.
1: When does a new company or user have the eureka or aha moment that I need to use Textio? I mean, everyone has probably written some, some job description in their career and You know, it's it's difficult to do, but people probably assume that they're doing a a decent enough job because they're getting some some applications. When when is that moment where they say, Oh my goodness, this, you know, I I can't imagine writing a a JD or writing external hiring materials without Textio ever again?
0: I think seeing is believing. The first moment you use Textio flow, which is to say you don't have to write your full document fully formed. You just drop a few rough notes onto your writing canvas, and Textio proactively shapes it with you into the language that works. You know, taking just two or three words and elaborating it into a complete concept that's exactly what you mean, but the words are better than anything you might have come up with in the moment on your own. When you see that happen with your words and ideas for the first time, it's very hard to imagine operating without it in the future.
1: And how much connectivity or ingestion uh, is required um, before you can have that magic moment?
0: Well, actually, if you work for a company that is hiring, even at any reasonable scale, maybe you're hiring at least 100 people this year, so you don't even have to be that big an organization, Textio probably has already ingested the jobs that are on your public career site and has a pretty good idea of how your brand sounds today may not know all the performance outcomes on those documents yet if you're not a customer, but has a pretty good idea from the algorithm of how it's likely to perform. And so the very first time you log into Textio, you know, if you're working with us, maybe you're setting up a trial to see what it's like, the language that Textio is generating is drawn from the way your company already sounds in public. So you go from zero to Eureka very fast.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. So does that really help your go-to-market effort in that you can actually ingest and observe the public job descriptions and hiring uh, nomenclature that that company's using? And then when you go to them to, to try to make a sale or show them how powerful Textio is, you're not starting from scratch, right? You already, have, uh, you already know some of their uh, language preferences and ethos they're, they're going for.
0: That's exactly right. Uh, In fact, even before we have deep conversations with companies, we will often contact them and say, hey, did you know that you're using the phrase whatever it takes 30 times more often than the rest of the technology industry in your public career site? Or did you know that you're describing work-life balance in the following way? Textio has a lot of information about how you sound already. It knows that Uber really does say whatever it takes 30 times more often than the rest of the industry. Or Amazon uses the word maniacal 11 times more often than the rest of the industry. And so if you're a leader who is concerned with your culture and your brand, which is true not just for people in talent and HR, but for sure also in marketing, this is valuable information that you did not already have.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. So it's not only a single player mode where you can say, hey, your company, you're using this phrase frequently, but you can actually compare them to some of the most uh, iconic and most reputable uh, companies uh, globally.
0: Yeah, and to their competitors. So if you are hiring, you probably have a pretty good idea who your top competitors are either in your industry or for talent. And companies are endlessly fascinated with how they show up relative to their competition. And then, of course, because Textio's broader data set is over half a billion with a B documents with outcomes attached, it's not just knowing how you sound. But knowing with some confidence the likely impact that that's having on who applies for your roles so you can kind of close the feedback loop. And of course, the bigger your organization is, the more you're writing, the better Textio can work for you because you may have some very unique patterns that are specific to your culture.
1: That's fascinating. I think that's one of the most important points, not to be overlooked for data-first companies like Textio, is that you before you even meet with a potential customer, you've ingested all this relevant information, right? So you come armed in that sales meeting um, in a very differentiated way, as opposed to you know, other more traditional SaaS companies, which can ingest uh, the same amount of data and draw insights before that first meeting.
0: That's right. And it's insight that even if they never worked with Textio again, would be deeply valuable to them. And it's insight that they didn't know how to look for on their own. If I come to that first meeting, and I tell you, I don't know, 10 phrases that are showing up uh, statistically in an unexpected way in your public career site, you can verify that. You can go to your career site and look for those 10 phrases. And when it turns out to be true that they're showing up all over the place, the next insight you have is, oh, yikes, I don't even know what else to look for. Because behind those 10 phrases are millions of other patterns that are lurking there that you may not be aware of on your own.
1: And you know, one other thing, I just got to give you a product shout out for a second. One other thing I really appreciated in, in doing some Spending time on your website and doing some demos is the Textio score. And I feel like with a lot of companies that use natural language processing or different forms of applied machine learning, it can be a bit of a black box. And what you guys have done so nicely is as you're actually setting up these job descriptions, you have a score. And so it feels like your actions are connected to an outcome. Um, So could you talk a little bit about the philosophy behind the Textio score, and just kind of explaining how your, your NLP is working behind the scenes and, and making a making user feel like uh, it's an intuitive user interface.
0: Yeah. So I think that's a very astute observation that most applications that use any form of machine learning don't aim for particularly interpretable models. You know, it's one thing if I'm writing a document to know that it's going to perform terribly, but that's only so valuable to me. What I really want is to know how to make it better. What should I write instead? And so for Textio to work, right, it needs to sort of crack open those models in a way that is explainable to any person who is writing on the platform. You don't need to be a linguist or a data scientist to understand what you need to do in terms of the language you need to use. So the Textio score is one encapsulation of this. It's a score that goes from zero to 100. Uh, If you score a 60 out of 100, it means that Textio believes your job will fill faster and get more qualified applicants than about 60% of similar job listings, meaning same title, same location, that kind of thing. Uh, that are on the market right now. And so all you really need to know as a writer in the platform is that you need to get that score above 90 by choosing the language that moves the score up. So we tried to gamify it a little bit in a way that makes it accessible and approachable and also make it clear to writers what changes they need to make.
1: Yeah, that's really insightful. It's very, you know, with with these data-first companies, it can be very difficult to connect and kind of link the power of what's happening behind the scenes with a user interface that's easy to digest and and also actionable and explainable. So that's well done. It's not an easy task. So I wanted to ask you about some of your customers. Who are some of your customers and what are they using Textio uh, for primarily?
0: So our customers are generally organizations that hire at some scale, right? So you think of a company like Cisco or Johnson and Johnson or Expedia, you know, organizations like this that typically have a large decentralized hiring community of hiring managers that are distributed all over the place. Uh, And they're using Textio to write job descriptions that get published on their career site and then distributed, and also one-on-one candidate email in the sourcing context where I've picked you out as a candidate and I know that I have a role that I'd like to talk to you about. So Textio integrates in directly with Outlook and Gmail and LinkedIn. So our customers are using Textio in that context when they write email to candidates.
1: How big of a market is Textio going after? For I'm sure you have product roadmap expansion, but in terms of the, the current primary product, how, how big of a market is this?
0: Well, I guess I'd ask a different question when you think about size of market. I would would ask you to think about over the last week how many hours you have spent writing in the service of your job. Yeah, too many. (laughs) I think most people feel that it's too many. Most people don't enjoy writing. The reality is the average American worker right now is spending upwards of 15 hours a week, just on email. And that's just one kind of writing that they're doing at work, right? We spend, no matter what industry we're in, whether we are making software or we're making widgets, the thing we're actually probably making the most of every day is words. So it's a really expensive problem for companies when the words are wrong. When you recruit in a way that doesn't get the audience that you want, or you're trying to sell a product in a way that doesn't resonate you know, with your customers, or you're writing to one another internally and not getting the response that you're hoping for. And Textio and augmented writing have a role to play in all of that communication. So the market is pretty vast.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And then, you know, how do you think about closing the loop? So obviously, you can track with job boards of you know how if you're using Textio, how applicants are, are responding, and, and what does that do to your to your you know your submission rate for resumes and, and applications. Um, but how, how do you think about uh, showing efficacy in terms of closing the loop on on different metrics?
0: Yeah. So our customers in the course of using Textio are not just writing but they're also generating outcomes for everything that they're writing, right? If I publish a job, I know how long it took to fill. I know how many people responded. I know how qualified the people who responded were. Were they good enough to interview or not? I may also know if I'm a modern company, the demographic identities that candidates chose to supply about themselves when they applied for the job. So Textio uses all of those outcomes to sort of isolate and identify the language patterns that are working for that context. And it can be very specific to a company's culture. So maybe a good example there would be Expedia, the customer for a few years now. And over the last year and a half, Expedia went through a really rapid expansion at a company level by acquisition. They acquired many dozens of different brands. And each of those brands had their own way of communicating. And that's a really hard challenge for an organization that's trying to make a culture that is cohesive. And so at the executive level, they defined a company principle that said, you know, one team, basically, It's, it's a team first mentality. And it turns out after they really went big on that principle, they redefined their career site. In light of it, it turns out that in their job posts, whenever they highlighted the existence of multiple brands or in any way referred to that sort of fracturing, the jobs filled a month more slowly than the baseline, right? And that might not be true at another company, but job seekers are very sensitive to the disconnect between what you say you value and what you show you value in the words that are written, you know, by all the many hiring managers at the organization. And so that feedback loop that says, hey, specifically for this language and this context, here's what happened to the applicant pool. Here's what happened in, you know, the time to fill is the thing that drives the Textio writing experience for people who are writing the next time in the platform.
1: Is it a mix of how you, what words you use in terms of framing and actually just including content or not. Like I would imagine that, you know, a lot of JDs and, and hiring descriptions now will talk about unlimited vacation. We'll talk about, you know, different benefits to the employee, you know, paternity leave, longer maternity leave is part of what you're doing surfacing saying, hey, if you have these benefits, you shouldn't include them because Uber is including them and you're not. And another part of what you're doing is saying, hey, instead of framing it as you have a flexible work schedule, frame it as this, right? So kind of missing content versus versus more word choice and framing.
0: Yeah, I think those two are just themselves the tip of the iceberg, right? It's about the words that you use. It's about how you put them together. Are your sentences long? Are they short? What's the reading level? Uh, How long are your paragraphs? How long is the overall document? Uh, What's your ratio of active verbs to passive verbs? How much white space is on the page? Like there's also all of the metadata around the words and how they're structured that can make a really big performance difference, right? How much of your job post is bulleted, you know, in a bulleted list changes the application rate significantly, right? Where there's a clear sweet spot, you want that document to be about a third bullets. And if you go above half, you tend to see women stop applying. And if you go below a quarter, you see men slow down in applying. So very nuanced stuff. The benefits one in particular is really interesting. Uh, You probably can't make up benefits that you don't have, right? So it's not just about how you communicate. It's about the substance of what you're communicating. But even there, the way you present makes a big difference. I think we published some stuff a year or two back that showed when you talk about caregiver leave, It has a far better impact on application rate and time to fill than when you talk about maternity leave in specific. And you can imagine why that might be, right? It speaks to a broader set of the population for more scenarios.
1: Fascinating. So Kieran, I want to talk a little bit about some of the technology you're using. Um, So what types of artificial intelligence and machine learning does Textio use And a second question is, um, how do you go about training your models?
0: Yeah, so we aren't the kind of organization that has strong theoretical bias, right? We're much more of a product organization than we are a research organization. So we use what works for the scenario that we need. There isn't just one model. Mm in the product it's not the single model that makes the final prediction there's an ensemble of different models and some of them get built with black box machine learning techniques usually supervised machine learning some of them use more classic nlp techniques to sort of understand you know especially on the language generation side how you go from just a couple of words into a more fully elaborated sentence or paragraph that represents that idea Right. So there's a chain of different technologies that work together to create the ultimate user experience and with a lot of subparts. Maybe a great example of a place where there's a distinct model functioning within the product is uh, the detection of your equal opportunity statement. You know, the sort of inclusive workplace statement that many organizations include in their job posts. Textio has a very specific model designed to detect. A, whether you have such a statement, and B, if you have it, how strong it is and how likely it is to resonate. And of course, we know that strong, authentic, equal opportunity statements on average result in jobs filling about a week faster than those that don't.
1: And what have been some of the challenges working um, with NLP?
0: I think there's, I mean, there's an infinity of challenges working with any of this technology. I think probably it starts with data integrity. You are as strong as the data that you're able to collect to power the experience. We're really fortunate because our data partners are our customers, right? So they're sharing those outcomes back with Textio. I think there's always the what do you build versus what do you use that already exists question. Uh, Simple example, all of the work we do on language generation is stuff that we build internally. We invented a lot of that work. Whereas in contrast, the work we might use to cover basic spell checking in the platform, we're happy to use an existing library for that because it's not the thing that makes Textio special. It's sort of commodity table stakes. Um, So we really think through for each aspect of the experience, what is differentiating and special and what is sort of commodity table stakes. That's one of the key questions.
1: What's it like hiring for engineers, particularly around some of the NLP-capable engineers?
0: Yeah, I mean, you're speaking my language when you talk about hiring NLP-capable engineers, because that was what I was for most of my career. We have some advantages in hiring the NLP community. Let's start with what we build. I don't think there are too many other companies creating discoverable, interpretable models in the context of a beautiful, real user experience with enterprise traction. So if you're interested in the work and you understand or want to learn to understand to think from a user experience lens, there just isn't a better place to do the work. You know, the other founder of Textio, Jensen Harris, our CTO, invented the first UI for email ever, which became Outlook. You know, he led the design and implementation of the Office ribbon, and he he led the UI for Microsoft's first Surface device. And so his contribution into the sort of founding DNA is understanding how to build a productivity user experience for a billion people. And he did it three times. And so if you are passionate about the intersection between usable software and NLP, I just don't think there's a better place to be doing the work. So we've been really fortunate with who we've been able to draw to the company.
1: Well said. And maybe this is a good time to ask, how can our listeners follow the progress um, of Textio? If, if people want to apply as an engineer, if you know, they want to be a customer, what, what's the best way to follow you guys and, and stay in close touch?
0: Yeah, uh, there's a couple of ways for people to chat with us. And we love conversations with people who are passionate about the space in any dimension. Uh, we have a blog where we regularly publish pieces of our data and our information, some of the findings, like I talked about earlier with you know which benefits are working today or which companies sound which ways at textio.ai, which is a great way to sort of keep in touch broadly the job descriptions on our career site are amazing. So if you and they better be. So if you are interested in learning more about working here, especially in the NLP ML engineering space for hiring big there, you can go to textio.com slash careers and you know we'd love to chat.
1: So this is a two-part question. I want to get your perspectives a little bit on the competitive landscape and at the same time ask you. What's the big vision, right, for Textio and where do you see yourself heading, you know, and kind of navigating this competitive landscape?
0: Yeah, I mean, the the end game here is that we want every person, every time they're writing, to feel empowered with the words that say what they really mean. You know, I think for all of us, there is a gap between how we sound and how we mean to sound. And Textio's purpose is to help every single writer bridge that gap so that they sound the way they mean to sound and get the response that they're hoping for. That's really what the vision is. And so in terms of competitive landscape, I think there are other organizations with an angle on this, but most of the time when we make a new partnership with a customer, This is the first time they've even become aware of the category of augmented writing. The idea that your words can be chosen to have a measurable impact is a new idea. I think people are familiar with sort of very old AB testing frameworks uh, and people think often in that mentality. But of course, for that to work, you have to know exactly what to test. And with language, that's just not true. When you're writing a 500 word document, uh, there are way too many permutations to intentionally test each and every one, unless you're doing it with software at really broad scale.
1: I want to talk to you a little bit and shift gears about artificial intelligence and machine learning more broadly. And obviously, you you are very well qualified to speak on this. You know, running a really important company that's using cutting edge uh, NLP and also having done a PhD um, from Penn in NLP as well. But how do you think uh, artificial intelligence will change our business economy going forward?
0: It's an interesting question about the impact of AI on the business economy, and maybe my question back to you is about what you include in AI. Uh, you know, when we raised our Series B round, I was asked by the AI beat reporter for a major tech publication what was it like raising money for an AI company in this climate? And I replied, I don't know, because I raised money for an augmented writing company. (laughs) And so I think there is a desire on the part of most consumers to get specific and maybe more specific than AI about the application. You know, at Textio, we talk a lot about learning loops You know, this notion that uh, when I'm using modern software, I'm probably providing some information just by using the software and my information gets aggregated in with yours and, you know, all these other people's and I get a better experience as a result. So a metaphor we often dive into here is, you know, Waze or Google Maps, where just by using the software when I'm driving, I'm providing my coordinates and so are you. And so we both get to our destination a little faster. I think this wave of technology is taking over not just consumer applications, where I think it's been for a little while, but modern business as well. I think it will become increasingly unacceptable to not think in terms of the outcomes of your decisions when you're making your decisions, whether you're making a sales forecast or you're writing a document or you're doing a budget projection for the year ahead. I think these learning loops that are powered by a collection of technologies we might call AI are becoming more and more ubiquitous.
1: No, well said. And that's actually a good segue into this next question. In five years, will it be possible to buy software that doesn't have some form of artificial intelligence working behind the scenes?
0: I think it'll become increasingly unlikely to buy software that doesn't have these sort of AI-powered learning loops behind the scenes. It's just the expectation. It's you know very similar to the revolution that started maybe a little more than a decade ago about cloud connectivity. We went from a world where software was local. It was client software. It was on-premise if you were a business to a world where everybody expects that their applications are cloud hosted, that information is shared in real time. And I think we're seeing the next sort of revolution of that. I think it will become as uninteresting to say my application is powered by AI as it is currently uninteresting to say my application is powered by the internet. Like, of course it is. That's what it means to be an application.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good perspective. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, everyone said our, our product is web first. You know, now everyone's saying our product is mobile first. And at some point, you know, these these clarifications and descriptive labels just go away, right? Because everything is web first and mobile first and everything will have some form of um, AI-powered learning loops. I, I totally agree.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: This is relevant for you because you're helping you know, you're helping uh, reduce the friction of job seekers and, and companies, um, you know, hiring. Um, but do you think that artificial intelligence machine learning will ultimately create more jobs than, than it's, you know, projected to replace?
0: I think it will create different jobs, just as every technology revolution has. Uh, you can think about, you know, the first real investment we made culturally in automation. Uh, you know, and it was really industry oriented automation, manufacturing in particular. And jobs that had been present in a pre-automation world weren't so needed, but the fact of automation created a need for additional jobs in safety and compliance and quality control. And so I think this is pretty analogous. I think it creates a need for different jobs. It has never been more valuable to understand how to ask a data question. You know, I'm running a workshop inside Textio right now for people who are interested in how you write a Data blog. And it's not actually about how you do the data analysis. A lot of people who work here have those skills. It's about how you ask the question that's even interesting to investigate. I think that is an important skill. I think being able to take an ethical lens on what's getting built has never been more important. You know, we have three ethical principles that are really key here. The first is that when you're collecting someone's data, they need to know it. You can't surprise them, right? And the second is that you have to use the data the way you say you're going to. And the third is that you have to use it in a way that benefits the people who provided it. And so I think there's an increasing need for people to think through the boundaries of the questions that we're asking, and it's just going to change the kind of jobs that exist in 10 years.
1: So this is a question we like to ask all of our guests and, you know, being on the front lines and having raised a successful series B and, you know, just, you know, really kind of having product market fit and growing. What what advice do you have for new entrepreneurs who are building the next generation of AI powered businesses?
0: The first advice I have for new entrepreneurs who are operating in this space is to think user first. Uh, I think it's very easy, especially for those of us with deep technology backgrounds, to think technology first. It's easy to start with, well, here's my technology. What could I do with it? But I think that's the wrong question if you're trying to build a business that sticks. I think the question is, What problem can I solve that people face today? And what technology could I bring to bear in support of it? As part of why here at Textio, we really don't have any theoretical biases or taboos. We're willing to use whatever technology works to solve the user problem, whether that is a deep learning technique or a simple rules-based technique or some point in the middle, depending on the, the type of experience we're creating in the product. And so the top thing I think when people are trying to operate in the space, the common mistake they make is not starting from what solves a user problem, what makes a great user experience. Because in the end, a product is something that people pay you for. And that's what it is. Without that, you have cool technology or you have a cool UI, but you don't have a product. And so you need to be mindful of what they really need and want.
1: The key takeaways from today's episode are one, Textio is an augmented writing platform that makes it easy for the user to write best in class job descriptions. Two, Textio has a differentiated go to market advantage in that they can come to the first meeting showing you stats and insights on how your job descriptions compare to those of your competitors and what you need to do to attract better talent. And three, Textio is solving a real business problem. And the team has done a nice job with the product in terms of making it easy for the user to increase their Textio score, which equates to attracting more qualified candidates and reducing time to hire. Thank you for listening to Innovators. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would greatly appreciate if you could share our podcast with one person who you think would greatly enjoy hearing about how the next wave of business leaders is using applied AI to reshape our business economy. You can reach me on Twitter at Zachary DeWitt or email me at Zach at wing.bc.